Paul wrote the church at Corinth, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us that are being saved, it is the power of God. Let us pray. We ask, O oh God, that you would transform us, shape us, and mold us into your image. And allow that to happen in a way where the cross has great effect. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable unto you, O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The cross has awesome power, not just to forgive our sin, but to transform our lives. And we have been moving through a series entitled Cross Encounters, and we've looked at the good news. The good news of the cross, we've examined the variety of ways people have responded to the cross. We looked at the soldiers who who were indifferent to the death of Jesus Christ. And to the disciples who wanted to follow Christ, but were perplexed and confused about the cross and its implication on them and the kingdom of God. And the thieves, a contrast of two lives. One remained bitter and angry at the world while the other, as the clock was running out, made an eternal decision to invite Christ into his life. And so we come today and we continue that cross encounter experience. And one of the things I think we can affirm is not only are our sins forgiven by the cross, but also our sinful habits can be overcome. Negative attitudes can be reversed. Strained relationships can be mended. Objectional personality traits can be refined. Dangerous temptations can be resisted. All in the power of the cross. Paul went on to say, so if anyone is in Christ, there you will find a new creation. Everything old has passed away See, everything has become new. That in the cross, there can be a total transformation of one's life. Today, I want us to look at the cross from the perspective of some bystanders. People who maybe woke up one day on that day that we're going to refer to and thought this will be a normal day. Nothing different will happen to me. But once they experienced the cross of Christ, they would never be the same. And I want to suggest to you that that invitation is presented this morning. That as we look at our own lives and the specific experience that we have with the cross, may it transform us as we make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit this day. And my prayer is perhaps you will Remember this day or this season of Lent or even Holy Week is a time where 
where you considered it a moment where Christ transformed you and brought significant change in your life. And we start with Simon. I invite you to follow along in your message notes. Simon of Cyrene. And I want to suggest to you that he moved from being a casual observer to an active participant. A casual observer of Christ and the cross to an active participant. The scripture tells us a nearby man, his name was Simon, was from Cyrene and he was coming in from the countryside just then and soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Now think about this. He was from Cyrene, North Africa, what would be known as Libya for us today. Traveled a great distance, probably saved his money, had a dream to eat the Passover meal in the holy city. And so he stands in the midst of the crowd, but gets caught up in the pedestrian traffic as the community is watching a marched execution of prisoners. Christ is nearby, and he is bearing his own cross, dragging it. A Roman soldier comes up to Simon and says, You! Because you see, Roman soldiers could enlist anybody to do anything they wanted. You! Pick up that cross. Pick up his cross. And carry it to Golgotha, the hill just outside of Jerusalem. Jesus must have fallen under the weight of that cross. It was under his own strength, but he had given out in the beatings and the scourgings. And we get the impression that Jesus stumbled. And then Simon was forced to pick up that cross and carry it for Christ. He did not ask for this. He did not want to be a part of this gruesome and humiliating experience. And I just wonder, uh, deep inside of him, if that question surfaced. Look, I didn't ask for this. Maybe you've asked that same question. (laughs) Maybe there's been something in your life that has been heaped upon you, cast upon you. It's a burden. It's a cross that you have been forced to bear. And deep down in your soul, you have asked the question, look, I, I, didn't, I didn't ask for this, did I? This seems so unfair. This is unjust. <clears throat> and you know, Jesus in his human moments, as Bob referenced, might have asked the same thing. In fact, we knew he did. When he said, Father... <coughs> Why have you forsaken me? And so this encounter with the cross would change this man's life forever. Can you imagine that rugged feel of wood and the very blood that would redeem his life? The blood of Christ would ooze down his hands as he carried the cross of Christ. Maybe there's something that has been placed upon you that you didn't ask for. But you know forever, 
looking back, you're grateful. Once again, Bob shared with us, his mother uh, asked him to memorize three things. And at the time, he probably thought, I didn't ask for this. But it is embedded now in his soul. It is a part of the fabric of who he is. I heard one person say, and you probably heard this too, that growing up he had a drug problem. His mother and dad drug him to church every Sunday morning. And he said, you know, there would be times where they would allow questions, and it was a church that allowed questions, and he would say, you know, I don't know about all this Jesus stuff. But he said because it was part of the family's routine, because it was part of of the makeup of his family, he would eventually understand the scripture where Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. And so I want to say a word to you today. If you bear a cross and the weight of it seems so heavy, Christ knows what that, that is like and he carries it with you. Simon would be forever changed as one who was simply a casual observer to an active participant. Is that your story? Are you good at getting here on Sunday? Are you good at writing that check to the church? And it's part of a distant, really, observation and lacking in participation in the mission and and, and growing spiritually in a small group. I want to encourage you to move beyond just simply sitting in your pew and observing to actively being a disciple of Jesus. And then there was another, the Roman centurion. And I asked for the reading of these uh, slices of scripture because they all have something in common. They forever would be changed. Even though the scriptures were short in and of themselves, they are all connected to each other. These individuals would be transformed, and so it would be with this centurion, as he was, an, he was a hostile skeptic that would become a humble believer. Look at this. When the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw that he had died, he made a, an overwhelming and incredible affirmation. He said, surely this man was the Son of God. Surely this man was the son of God. How did he get to that statement? I mean, this was the centurion that most likely was head of the Roman execution squad. And the Roman soldiers had brutalized Jesus and struck him with their fist in his face and they had scourged him and they had spit on him. And they had mocked him. And they allowed the Jewish leaders to make sport of Jesus. And yet, as this unfolded, as he saw this act of execution take place, he saw something in this man that would change him forever. He saw the character of a man who, while he was being hazed, did not lash out at others. He saw a man that was one that had dignity in the midst of suffering. He heard a man, another man, Pilate say about this man, I find no fault in him. And he hears the words of Jesus as injustice unfolds. 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I don't know about you, but when people say disparaging things about me, I want to lash out. I think that's normal, don't you? I think that's the human part of me. The human part of me wants to say, I want to get even. I, I either want to say something about them, or I want to uh, somehow discredit them, or I want to say something very, very hateful. And that's the flesh. And this centurion sees something supernatural in this man. This man from Galilee. And he sees a love and a forgiveness. And he says, surely this man was the son of God. Because he had seen other soldiers spew venom and hate on their persecutors. And he saw a certainty in this man that when he was taking his final breaths, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. It is finished. And so he moved from a hostile skeptic to a humble believer, much like Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, much like C.S. Lewis, who questioned the very premise of Christianity, who had become one of the greatest scholars and spokespersons for Christendom. And so I want to ask you this question. Some of you may be skeptical today, and I want to say it's okay to have questions. But when you encounter the cross and all that it means, belief will come. And then we have those who wanted to be disciples, but it was at a distance. A, a, a secret disciple, if you would. Secret disciples that would eventually become bold defenders. And, and we find in two, it says, later, Joseph of Arimathea and asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. He asked for permission to take the body of Jesus. And now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. While Pilate's uh, given permission, he came and took the body and he was accompanied by Nicodemus. <laughs> The man who had earlier visited Jesus in the night. Do you remember back in John 3? One of the most famous passages would be John 3.16. But you'll remember that Nicodemus came to Jesus while he was beginning his earthly ministry. And, and he said, how does one become born anew? Born from above. Born again. And he talked about the rebirth and giving one's life to God. But it's interesting, he comes at night because he was part of the Sanhedrin and so was Joseph of Arimathea. A 70-member council of Jewish leaders that had great affluence and influence. And these leaders would eventually come and they would question and they would say, we want to put to death Jesus, this one from Nazareth. Now, Nicodemus kind of had that distant relationship with Christ. And he wanted to remain in secret, but there was something in him that wanted justice. And so he said to this body of leaders, 
Now, before we put him to death, surely we want to find the evidence that stands. We never try a man where there's no evidence. It was, can't we see both sides of the coin? And I, I think some of us do that. We don't fully step into this thing called discipleship with real courage. Many of us can find ourselves in the story of these two men. Because we want it to simply be politically advantageous, our response, that is. There's the story of Senator Edward Dirksen from Illinois years ago uh, during the issue of prohibition and the sensitivity of that. And he was for prohibition, or he was against prohibition, and one of his opponents came up to him and questioned him, and a number of people questioned him. And so he said the next day, after a long night, I talked to my wife and I said to her, and I say to you without hesitation, and I quote, some of my friends are for prohibition and some of my friends want it repealed. And I say with great courage, let the chips fall where they may. I stand with my friends. <laughs> Not a lot has changed. <laughs> and I wonder if Nicodemus asked the question. Oh yes, I remember. I think I remember what Jesus said as it's recorded in John 3. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so the Son of Man shall be lifted up. And so these two men became bold defenders after being secret disciples. I want to ask you this question today. Do you find yourself in one of these stories? You see, courage is an important thing. And it's never too late to have courage when it comes to Christ. Very quickly, the story is told in 1982. Leonard Brezhnev had died and... George Bush, who was the vice president at that time, uh, 41, traveled uh, to be in Moscow. And there at the funeral was the wife of Brezhnev. And he said, I'll never forget this. He said it was one of the greatest acts of civil disobedience in the communist world. He said there was the coffin, the casket. The body was laid in state. And right as the soldiers were about to close it, the wife said, wait. And she walked over and she kissed the body and then she made the sign of the cross. And it was closed. You see, she was in a skeptical culture. But she became a believer. Are you a believer? Are you an active participant? And are you willing to defend the gospel of the cross? Our greatest defense is when we are transformed by the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.